All right, everybody, welcome back to the Lockdown Red Wings podcast. Today is Monday, April 20th, 2020. I am your host, Detroit sports writer, Noel Bianchi. I'm here today by myself, but I do have Ethan Smith, longtime Red Wings fan, uh, in our upcoming interview with Max Boltman as we review the greatest moments of the 1920 Red Wings season. Lots to choose from, but we ended up going with Mantha's four-goal night in the home opener, Robbie Fabry's two-goal debut, and a shutout in the shootout by Jonathan Bernier on January 10th against the Ottawa Senators to give the Red Wings their third straight home victory. What more could you ask for? We'll be back here tomorrow with an episode uh, interviewing Detroit Red Wings photographer Dave Regnick. He was around, uh, I believe, since 2005, maybe 2005, 2006. He's been the team photographer, also a freelancer for the Detroit News and Getty Images. Lots of good stories for him as we not only look back at some of the moments from the season, but go back through his Instagram and uh, look at some of the greatest pictures he's taken of the Red Wings throughout his career so far. So lots of great stuff from that. Be sure to subscribe. Have it in your inbox when you wake up. Without further ado, The Athletic's Max Boltman. All right. At this time, we now welcome on from The Athletic, the Detroit Red Wings beat writer for that website. It is the venerable Max Boltman. Max, how you doing? Boy, am I venerable already? I figured I'd have to at least hit 25 first. Well, I think when you, you do cover the team that you do and you do the job that you do, I, I you think venerable. <laughs> yeah, yeah, something like that. In a, an esteemed uh, a colleague just for, for what you go through. That's fair. I can, I can deal with that. <laughs> he also uh, hosts the uh, Wings for Breakfast podcast with Prashant Ayer. That's a twice-weekly Red Wings podcast, so go ahead and give that a listen once you get tired of uh, listening to me and this idiot on the other side of the table run our mouths. A lot more informed, a lot less uh, emotion involved in that one, so definitely be be sure to check that out. Max, we are happy to have you, and we are uh, reviewing the greatest moments of the 1920 Red Wings season, of which there were Many. All four of them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah all right. Them. All four of them. It was a struggle. I, I, when I reached out to Max to do this, I was like, hey, you know, do you have any ideas? But really, I was just, there was, there, there's, there's not much. There's a couple uh, beacons of light in an otherwise uh, very, very dark tunnel, which is why we actually haven't talked about it much. We've been doing you, a lot of 90s Red Wings talk. Yeah, you, I mean, I'm shocked that one of Jimmy Howard's two wins this year isn't on this list. I, I, don't, know, I don't know how that, either one of those <laughs> slipped off. I thought about putting the, the season opener. I mean, the Nashville game was a pretty fun game, and that was one of his wins, but it just seemed like, uh, I mean, like, you, you, is it really like a great moment if it got topped the very next night, you know? Right, <laughs> right, exactly. And we, it's so funny because, like, we, we just constantly talked about Jimmy Howard win watch, like, through the end of the season. And I'm just like, disappointed that, like, we didn't get to, uh, like, count it down to the end of the season. Like, it was cut off so abruptly. I love Jimmy Howard somebody that I've enjoyed watching for a long time as, as just a uh, figure in the Red Wings community. It was, it, it was hard to see him have the season that he did, but he did get those two wins. That's, that's really all that matters. You know, I was bummed because I had a little side bet with Prashant that he was going to win against Tampa in the regular season finale. And I, 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 <laughs> I have deep doubts that I will ever get to settle that bet. That's unfortunate because of the, way, the, the way that the Red Wings were playing by the end of the season, it was just kind of like all bets are off and they had all these other factors to it to where like teams were resting or, you know, maybe not by the time that the season was cut off, but there were those things to look forward to in those last like five games where you'd at least be able to be like, all right, sick. Like, you know, they got Tampa on a back to back. 
it's just a shame all around. Well, yeah, I figure like number one, it's the last game of the year. Maybe Tampa rests someone. Number two, hockey's random. And number three, like real possibility that's Jimmy Howard's last game as a red, yeah. you know, that would be his last game as a Red Wing, right? Like it'd be kind of a fitting, uh, fitting way to go out or something. So I was just kind of banking on a bunch of, uh, of shot in the dark variables and <laughs> things that would have made for good stories and uh, look at what happened. Well, hey, I mean, if if this Red Wings team uh, was anything, it was unpredictably that's right predictable. So, and <laughs> we 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 made the joke all the time. Wherever when uh, or Ethan used to make the joke, I would say, you know, what's going to happen in in tonight's game? And he'd say, if I know anything about these Red Wings, it's when they win one out of twelve, they win two out of thirteen. So. <laughs> <laughs> that's just kind of the way things uh, things went. But we do have we do have a couple pretty solid uh, moments to look forward today, and we'll start with the home opener on August sixth. You mentioned uh, they did start the season one and zero thanks to a nice performance from Jimmy Howard. Uh, stop me if you've heard this before, but they're trailing. 2-0 to start the second period. Uh, and Anthony Manta goes on to score a natural hat trick, plus one, four goals in the Red Wings home opener to, uh, to, to kind of really set the stage for a season that was not to come, uh, unfortunately. But what do you remember from that night, Max? Well, so it's interesting because so it, was, it was the second night of back-to-back, uh, different multi-city back-to-back. So everyone's kind of you know, tired and all that stuff. But I remember the Mantha, he had had a huge game in Nashville the night before. And so you're looking, you know, back on kind of the preseason expectations. He's coming off number one, a scorching end to the 2018-19 season, a incredible world championships and a big preseason. So I think myself, I'm sure you guys, I think just about everybody expected this to be a big breakthrough year. You're thinking, is he going to hit 35, maybe even 40 goals? Could he have 65, 70 points kind of thing? And so coming into this game, he's got the big game at Nashville and then he scores, I think right away in the second period or something like that. And then, and then he gets another one and he's starting to score these real power forward charging the net type goals. And it's really looking like all the preseason hype is being delivered upon. And and I remember that night thinking I was watching and, and ultimately, you know, were it not for the injuries, this may have been kind of the, the reality of, of just kind of watching a guy, move up to a dominant level winger. Uh, I mean, e- even in limited action, he had, I would say, ar- I think it's fair to call this arguably the best year of his career on a, in a per game sense. I mean, he certainly one of the most productive and all that. So um, I, th- that is the feeling that I remember from that game is, is this kind of the birth of a really dominant, um, you know, step forward from Manta. And really th- that line at the time was like the only line producing. I mean, that was the, the, the peak of the, the Larkin man the Bertuzzi that the beginning of not, not quite the beginning, but cause they had it at the end of last year, but you know what I mean? Yeah. And I, I think one of the things that's interesting about Mantha is he was one of those guys uh, that he, he had a lot of pre NHL hype. Like I remember, I don't even know why I, I remember this, but I remember this is probably like five years ago. I was in the car and I was listening to Valeni and Foster and it was a, the Red Wings were at a point where they were talking about Red Wings draft prospects. If that gives you any indication of how the times have turned. Yeah. Um, and I remember, you know, a lot of people calling in and, and just anybody who really had anything to say of just being Anthony Mantha is untouchable. And I think the shine has wore off of him a bit. If, if, if that makes any sense. I mean, do you think that that's, that's fair? Maybe just in the, in the, the fans eyes, because I still think that he's obviously very young and has the potential to become a great player, but I think that the fans have kind of 
not turned on him a bit, but I, I think maybe undervalue the type of player that he can be. That's possible. Um, I mean, I, I think this year was kind of a, a proving year that, that he can be everything that he was supposed to be, right? Like, I think, you know, it, when you look at the underlying stuff, he's not just a good goal scorer or, or a good passer, as everyone knows he is. Like, he's got really strong impacts all over the ice. And I think this is a guy who, like, if he if he does, you know, stay kind of healthy, and, and I'm I'm someone who's skeptical that that he's, quote-unquote, like, prone to injury. I don't I don't think the injuries are such that you could put that label on him. Uh, I think like when he, when he's able to have a full season, I think he's going to be a guy who does score you know, 65 or, or more points while, while being a pretty effective player all over the ice. What's really, what's really interesting too, is that this is a contract year for him too. And he started off guns blazing yeah. and when injuries came about, I mean, he starts slowing down a little bit more inconsistent. I, I really wonder what Steve's going to is thinking about giving him or what Mantha thinks he's, you know, worth. Yeah, it's going to be one of the most interesting contracts they do for sure. I mean, there, there's the, you know, the, the element of wanting to go long term and lock it down and all that stuff. Like maybe maybe they get almost a slight uh, slight gift out of him not having quite the the counting totals that he did, uh, because if if he if you extrapolate what he did in 43 games over the course of a full season, like you're talking about a a, a pretty huge year going into that negotiation. So I agree. It'll be one of the most negoti- interesting negotiations they have. And, you know, I, I don't know what, what, uh, wh- where that number will come in, but um, if you're the Red Wings on a long-term deal, you should probably be pretty happy. One of the things I, I went back and I, I read your piece from after this game and, you know, you, it was kind of more uh, regarding the whole top line. You know, they had eight goals or eight of the, out of the first nine goals through those two games. Uh, and one of the things that caught my eye is this quote, from Dylan Larkin, uh, I'm paraphrasing here, but basically he said something along the lines of, yeah, we went down to nothing and we're a different, we seem to be a different team this year. Uh, you know, maybe last year, the year before that, we would have rolled over or things really would have gotten sideways on us. And I just thought that was interesting uh, that these guys really did seem to believe that they turned a corner a little bit. Small yeah. sample sizes it may be. Yeah, no, I, I think that's right. I mean, I think, I mean, how can you not, right? Like in some ways you're a pro athlete, you're going to have this relentless belief that at any given point, like you're, you're on the way up because you, you're probably individually always improving and you feel like you're learning. And so you start to have some success and it kind of feeds into that. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm sure they felt like with the way they finished last year, something had kind of clicked. Right. And so it, you know, you, you begin the next year the same way with the same players, everyone's doing the same thing. It seems to have carried over. Yeah, how could you not think you turned a corner, right? One last thing before we move on to the uh, to the next great memorable moment from this Red Wings season. Did you know that you like a punctured lung didn't kill you? I was shocked when I read that you had a punctured lung. <laughs> I did not know that. I didn't know what a punctured lung quite you know entailed. I still don't know what it quite entails. I kind of try not to think about it because that sounds horrifying. But yeah, incredibly scary injury. Like that whole situation. I mean, the thing, the thing that I find funny is like, I'm sure you guys uh, in, included in this, like everyone, the worry at that point is concussion, right? Like he yeah. flips over and all that stuff. Right. And then you hear like, okay, like, it, it, you know, okay, it doesn't seem, maybe it's not a concussion. And you're like, oh, great. And that's like, just a punctured lung. Like, oh, is that all? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> right. And like, it's funny. It just, I, that's just the way we work in sports when it comes to athletes is, Oh, it's fixable. Oh, it might not. You know, right. Oh, it'll heal. It's not, Oh, it's not going to make him more prone to a second puncture lung. Yeah. yeah. What's, what's the worry? Um, <laughs> another thing, and this is brain injury. Yeah. 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 Just a little rolling around in the basket up there. How do you uh, fix a punctured lung? 
That's what I'm saying. Like I just think it's like a place? balloon. Like it just it pops and it's punctured. Jesus. I don't know. We we're not medical professionals, so we're not suited to have this discussion. Um, next moment, November eighth, Robbie Fabry is traded one for one. Jacob De La Rose to the Detroit Red Wings. Uh, he makes his debut, scores twice on the power play. What do you remember from that one, Max? That's about what I remember from that one. I mean, I, I remember being stunned that they beat the Bruins, and, and I think it couldn't have happened in a way that was kind of more, um, you know, on on theme for this Red Wings team, right? Like, they're, that's when they're coming off that terrible loss at the Rangers. Um, you know, they get this new player. He shows up, and they're playing the best team in the league, and he scores what? I think he scores the eventual game winner. He scores two straight goals, and yep. both of them assisted by his former junior teammate, Tyler Bertuzzi, and – I don't know. I mean, that for, you're a writer, you know, it doesn't get any, it doesn't get any easier than that at that point. Right. Yeah. Well, I, and you mentioned both times he's fed by Tyler Bertuzzi. Did you notice uh, anything, I guess, long-term that was particularly special about their chemistry? Well, it's, I mean, I don't think they played together quite enough to, to say like, it was like, you know, it was it indelible or anything like that. But yeah, I mean, I think like when anytime, like there's a, a pre-existing bond there. I'm sure it helped a ton getting, getting acclimated to the team and um, that stuff always helps. Like it, I think sometimes we can overlook, especially as outsiders or as media or whatever, how, you know, it's still their real lives and you're still ultimately uprooting your life overnight, going to a new city and okay, this is my home now. These are my teammates now. Um, how nice it is to just kind of know somebody in that situation. Right. I'm sure that helps a ton. And I'm sure Bertuzzi, you know, I, I haven't asked him, I guess maybe I should have, but like, you know, is he looking a little more for Robbie to try to get him his first goal in his first game? But who knows? I mean, it, it wouldn't be surprised if that was part of it. Right. What do you uh, No, And I, I'm a hundred percent with you. One thing I love about uh, that, I, that I think is interesting about this Red Wings team, and it's maybe just more me not paying attention to other teams as close, but it seems like there's a lot of good, diverse characters on this team. Yeah, I think that's true. No, I mean, I think, you know, you got a little bit of everything in, in, in the locker room. And um, yeah, I, I think that's true. What, what do you think it was about the Red Wings situation specifically that allowed him to excel? Do you think it was maybe just the pressure that was lifted off? He wasn't a first round pick here. He was a first round pick somewhere else. He was, you know, kind of, we'll wait. And he was a very, we'll wait and see guy. But, you know, when he's in St. Louis and he's had those ACL injuries, he's kind of on, for lack of a better term, his last leg there. Uh, maybe just the pressure or, or kind of how does that, how does that break down? Well, he was playing less than 10 minutes a night in St. Louis and he comes to Detroit and suddenly he's playing 17 and he's on the power play and he's playing in the top six. I think he was in the top six pretty close to the whole time he was in Detroit, maybe a couple of games on the third line. If I, I don't know, but um, I think a huge part of it is the opportunity. And I, I don't know how the pressure would have factored in. That's an interesting point, but um, when you're when you're basically doubling your ice time and playing with with the, the team's best offensive players, it's just not a situation that he was going to be able to replicate on on a team as loaded and as deep as the Blues, you know. And 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 it, I think I am a believer in kind of the fresh start like theory of, of, of hockey players in general. I think you you'd be amazed at what can happen when you go to a new place and and some of those things. Um, you know, feel new and, and it is a fresh start, but um, man, it's hard, hard to look away from the opportunity as kind of a driving force there. Right. Yeah. And uh, you did mention earlier too, this game was to beat the Boston Bruins, a league leading yeah. Boston Bruins. And I think we would be remiss because uh, it wasn't going to find its way on our list today, but to not bring up 
that sleepy Sunday noon in Detroit when the big Brad Bruins come in after beating the Tampa Bay Lightning. And the Red Wings steal one, and another one. I, I covered that one. I think that, that might have been the game that I met you at, Max. Uh, but that was, that was, to me, just such a quintessential 2019-2020 Red Wings game to where, like, nothing particular – like, Brendan Perlini scores his first goal of the year. Uh, Jonathan Bernier is incredible. And they beat the Bruins for absolutely no reason. This might have been still early enough in the season. I kind of had this running theory for a while about which kinds of games the Red Wings tended to succeed in. And I, I thought that they really, um, the, the games that they won, the games they played closer than they should, I thought that they all had something in common, which was they were playing against teams that had one really dominant line and not a whole lot of depth. And so they could put the Larkin, Mantha, Bertuzzi line out there against the other team's really, really good line and either play it close to neutral or win that matchup. And then the rest of the lineup for the Red Wings, you know, not a lot of scoring, but they've got some kind of checking lines through there, right? And so if you can play against your, your Dallas's of the world, your Montreal's of the world, your Edmonton's and your, you know, Boston obviously is, is a little bit of an exception here because they are still deep, but mm-hmm. they're still very reliant on that huge best line in hockey, right? And so at this time in the year, I think I kind of had a running theory that, that those were just like the kinds of teams that they beat. I remember they played Edmonton close a couple times and, and all that stuff. So I, I think that was probably would have been something that at the time I would have uh, I would have pointed to as the reason. As the season wore on, it became harder and harder to make that case. Yeah, that <laughs> that is certainly true. And we actually started this podcast in like, I think it was like maybe January, midway through January. So like at that point, all of the fun was over. <laughs> so it was it was it was a shame except for that that fourth win against the canadians that was kind of fun but we'll move on to our last uh our last item here it's october or sorry january 10th against the ottawa senators red wings win their third straight home game of the year which is something that i did not know until i went back and researched this and even then i was still somewhat shocked by it jonathan bernier is perfect in a shootout against the senators he stops uh i think it was ns duclair and anisimov as the red wings uh pick up that win max take me through that one the emotions how was that how was everybody feeling well that one's funny because you know the first two we've talked about so far are games that the red wings really should had no business winning they involved these kind of like um big storyline games from from mantha and from the new guy robbie fabry and this one's just kind of your run-of-the-mill win over the second worst team in hockey and you know, it's kind of funny that, that this is one of the ones that we picked. But the reason I picked it is because I remember how good Jonathan Bernier was and because how bad I felt because I had three stars that night. And I, you know how this goes, right? Like you file them with like five minutes left in mm-hmm. regulation. And so this game goes to overtime. And at that point, I don't know how many saves Bernier had, but it, whatever it was, it wasn't so many that it was like, you know, you got to have, um, you got to have him as a star. So I think I put like, it, I'm looking at it now. So it, I put Larkin White, Colin White from Ottawa, and Tyler Bertuzzi, and went on my way. And Bernier goes on to be so good in overtime, so good in the shootout that I remember walking into the locker room and just feeling like a dick because you know I don't know how much players care about three stars. They may not care at all, but I just mm-hmm. felt horrible because I had just watched how good he was. All the players are talking about it. Other media members are giving me shit like, "How did you not put Bernier in there?" <laughs> and uh, so this is kind of my mea culpa. Uh, to Jonathan Bernier that I uh, I screwed up the three stars that night. They got to know though. Like it doesn't that, like the, the other people like know how that worked. Know. You were up against I it. Know. I know I was, but 
no no excuses i've I've made it work in other situations and i uh i probably should have foreseen like i should have put like winning goalie is like the first star of that or something. Right. Uh, One of the things that I find interesting about uh, this game is uh, one thing that the Red Wings were able to do this year because it was so bad. And I think to a degree, it was kind of uh, something that lifted the the weight off the shoulders for Red Wings fans of being a fan is that even when they played teams like Ottawa, they could win without guilt. And I think this is a true shiny example of that is like, yeah, we beat Ottawa. We got to win. It's not going to affect the draft position because we suck so bad <laughs> that like, and I just think honestly, like as, as silly as it sounds, like I remember when people were so mad about the winning streak that the team went on, like towards the end of last season. And I guess that's valid if your end goal is if you're thinking like a GM, but I think that that takes all the fun out of being a fan. And if you're going to be bad, you might as well be super bad and get to celebrate the wins. I think that's fair. Um, yeah, no, I, I remember that too, how mad people were last year. And you're right. I don't know. When was it? January, February? January, it was just clear yeah. that they didn't have to worry about it. You know, like it was, it was not a problem. <laughs> they were, how, how far back are they right now? It's, it's gotta be like oh, 30 points. Man. It's at least 30. I mean, it, it's funny. Like, like, so you talk about like what, what coming back would mean. 20, 23 years. points. 23 is that it wow yeah, it was wow. 30 at one point right it had to be yeah yeah no i mean they they have clinched last place like no other team has <laughs> clinched a spot in that or in the order except for the red wings they have clinched last place yeah they did that like two or three weeks before the season even ended right too. exactly like now 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 it got canceled but like it, they this has been locked up locked in place since november essentially that this is we knew we were going to be here it's just yeah jeez oh, Christmas, I feel like, was like, that, that sounds <laughs> but yeah, like, astonishing. You know, Max, we are an eternally optimistic podcast. I got my longtime Red Wings fan, uh, Ethan, next to me while we do these things. We try and do a little good cop, bad cop. But uh, what to you is the biggest reason for optimism going forward with this team? I, I know a lot of people are down in the dumps and there is the uh, the safety blanket of knowing, oh, Stevie Wise here, you know, all that other stuff. But you know, if there's something that's tangible that you can lock onto as a Red Wings fan that's kind of already been set in motion, is there something? Yeah, I mean, there's a few things. I, I would say, you know, I think Mort Sider looks to me like he's going to be a very, very good uh, NHL defenseman. I think he looks like he can play huge minutes and, and do more than just kind of eat them, but he can succeed in them. So that's something. Um, I think, obviously, the draft capital and what they have in this year's draft and what they presume to have in next year's draft uh, probably make the list. But I'll, I'll actually say something that I don't know if people are giving enough credit, which is the fact that they had all these picks in, like, 2018. Um, those guys, like, aren't ready, most of them. Zadina has made it, and, and he kind of looks like he's he's uh, breaking through a little bit, or at least he was before he got hurt. Um, the fact that they've had all those guys who are now, at, you know, basically at the AHL or, or, or soon to be at the AHL level, um, I think that's going to help them a lot when it is time to turn the corner of just not having to wait so long for the, cause if you try to rebuild, you know, just through the draft and, and you go year by year, ultimately what, if, if you're thinking you're, you're going to get value out of, you know, if you're a team, you're probably hoping two two out of your first like three or four picks, the fact that they were able to make so many picks in that draft and now you're going to get Zadina, Valeno, McIsaac, maybe Jonathan Berggren, um, all as NHL players out of that. The fact that those guys should be 
ready soon. They were able to kind of double up there. I think that's going to help a lot. And I think you can make the same argument for, for last year's draft um, when you start thinking about Robert Master Simone and Antti Tuomisto and Albert Johansson, a bunch of second-round picks who, yeah, they're not ready yet and they're going to take a little more time. But the fact that you've already made those picks means you're not necessarily going to have to worry if you do draft your star this year or next year about then going and finding the right depth. Like you're going to have a lot of probably cheap entry-level contract kind of depth coming through that you've already drafted and been bringing along. So I think that gets overlooked a lot as an asset of the franchise. Well, one other thing I, I wanted to bring up, and this is a complete change in direction, but after watching the highlights of these, uh, the, the Stars game and then the game against the Bruins, I really think the Red Wings need to change that goal song to that's just that's just like not even a question. Like I'm just throwing that out there. I think it's bad. We talk about goal songs a lot on this show, and I, it was just reminded me that that's what the Red Wings was, and I was like, that kind of sucks. Yeah, I agree. Last year, I thought their goal song was pretty good, and I don't even remember what it was, but I just remember thinking like, oh, that's a pretty good goal song. And then they started whatever this one was, and I was just like, no, this isn't it. Well, it was great because, like, back in the day, it was just the hey, hey, hockey town. Like, right. that was perfect. But yeah. then you have, like, all these, like, traditional goal songs, like the uh, – what's the one that we hate? Do you know what I'm talking about, Ethan? Oh, Chelsea Dagger? No, I love – I so we – so Ethan is a closet Blackhawks fan, and I love Chelsea Dagger despite all of it. I think it's – I think it's the best goal song in the league I love in the it. last 10 it, 100%. Years. Yeah, I'm right yeah. there with you. But – Max, thank you so much for your time. We've, we've really appreciated it. Where can people find your work and where can people find you on Twitter? Yes, I'm on Twitter at M underscore Boltman, B-U-L-T-M-A-N. And I'd love to have you, you join us on The Athletic, uh, which is theathletic.com. If you go to my Twitter and click on any link, there's usually right now, I think, a 90-day free trial when you go through a story. So if you want to check us out and, and haven't yet, now is a really good time to do it. I've always feel like I've been getting the athletic for less than I should be. It's, it's a great platform, tons of great storytellers. Uh, Ethan can attest to this. We talk about your work Mac, a lot, Max. Uh, you're doing a great job over there. Keep covering the team. Well, good luck next year. And uh, we hope to have you on again. Well, thanks for all the kind words, guys. I'd love to. And thanks so much for having me.